Hey, this is Jordan Belfort, the real Wolf of Wall Street, and you're listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Welcome back to the greatest show in the universe. Uh, today we have a big guest, uh, uh, Jared Ader. <laughs> I finally said his name right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, so he's the owner of Wheelhouse, Start Bar, and Midwestern, and uh, one of the few people in St. Louis that I would consider not a cunt uh, that is actually fighting these uh, unconstitutional limitations. And uh, uh, I guess uh, they're going against peaceful assembly as well in the First Amendment. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good, man. Uh, so uh, t- tell us a little bit about what's going on in uh, St. Louis from your perspective, I guess, is the business owner of multiple businesses that are uh, being shut down or whatever terminology. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it's been a long nine months. I mean, here we are, 15 days to slow the spread, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, it's been a whirlwind of emotions for nine months. I mean, there's ups and downs. And, you know, at this point, you know, we're starting to get a little more concerned that this is going to be a little more permanent than we would like it to be. And uh, you just, you know, we've a couple different times now we have tried to file suit. Well, we have filed suit on two separate occasions after two separate 14 clo- day closure orders for uh, both wheelhouse and start bar combined, for whatever reason, they always get closed together. And, um, you know, it's, it's been each time we've been denied and they have upheld the orders of the, you know, under the, uh, you know, the health orders that we, you know, are violating their rules of the mask and the, you know, social distancing. And, you know, obviously being a bar, those are two very difficult uh, policies, they're not very compatible with our business model, obviously. And, you know, it's obviously confusing because we can have all these people sitting in there at these tables without their masks on. But as soon as they stand up, apparently that's when it becomes very dangerous. And then we can have all these guests sit at the bar without masks. And then as soon as an employee maybe takes theirs down to breathe and get some fresh air, we're in violation then. So, I guess the virus is discriminating between whether you're standing or sitting and I guess whether you're an employee and a customer. And that's kind of, you know, what we're, we're dealing with right now. I mean, the fact is our customers want to be there and they show that by the support they continue to give us and our employees want to be there and they show us that by obviously showing up to earn a living. And, you know, when you have both of those elements going together, um, but government continues to shut your business down, then, I, you know, we're starting to have a real problem with that and um, starting to feel like there's not much protection for us after going the legal path two separate times and each time getting shot down. You know, the fact is it doesn't really seem as if we have any constitutional protection to pursue our rights to earn a living. And that really kind of, to me, gets down to the, you know, nuts and bolts is that now it appears you know, local jurisdictions across the country are now, you know, determining who gets to earn a living and who doesn't. And, you know, this all started with, well, this, this is essential so they can work. And I think that's the wrong approach. I think all human beings are essential and we all have a right to earn a living. I have a wife, I have a kid, I got another kid on business partners have families, they're married with kids as well. And obviously, we have a lot of employees who also have families mortgages and have bills to pay so when you just kind of start deciding that you know these people can work if these people can't um you know it's it's very discouraging to say the least and that's a summation i guess of kind of where we're at and where our you know we're certainly where my thoughts are on this whole matter and you know again you know we just we, we want to be able to run and operate our business and it's been you know 
nine months since we've been able to do that as our business. No, it's insane. It's like the, the virus's only weakness is a, is a collapsing economy, apparently. <laughs> like, right. I, and, and like, but if people like you don't stand up for this, I mean, I think we're going to go into a great depression. I think, honestly, the way we're cutting all these businesses, I mean, there's no restaurant industry in major cities right now. There's just, I mean, you have curbside, arguably. And, um, and, and before all this, I was a big fan of your, uh, of Starnt Bar, actually. I didn't, I didn't know who owned it or anything, but uh, I was a big fan of Starnt Bar. And, I, uh, and like, we lost, it's, pretty, it's a cool vibe, but I, Starnt Bar is, I'm a nerd. I like video games. So it was, uh, yeah, it. It, it was a great, it was, it's a great business plan. And I think that, like, uh, I'm, and I was happy to hear, because I heard about you through, um, I guess, like, headlines and stuff, because, like, uh, because I think, like, it happened, what Wheelhouse was, like, there's, they're just taping it on Snapchat, and then, like, they found, people found out, I guess, or something, for my assumption, and then I, and I found out about you fighting this, and I'm just like, okay, there are some people in St. Louis that actually understand what's going on, and, and don't want to turn our country into Shanghai, like, I mean, it's like, it just, it just makes no sense, like, uh, like, how so many people are just cool with this, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and I think partly what's causing a little bit of the issue, are you able to hear me still? Yeah, yeah. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah I could hear your video froze or something. I got to okay. this out. Yeah, I was I getting add. a little uh, wavy on my end. The, um, yeah, you know, I think a big part. Of, I think I think a big part of the problem is um, there's a wide degree of variance in how people are being impacted by this. Um, you know, when you start having your living which obviously provides, you know, the, you know, some, some peace of mind knowing that you have a job and you can provide for yourself and your family and take care of the bills. And, um, you know, I don't know, maybe even save up a little bit, take a vacation when that is being threatened and, or has been taken from you. Um, that's a lot different than maybe just kind of trying to have to maneuver some schedules and then maybe just work from home. And I think what's happening is we have people that are just minorly inconvenienced by this who still have their uh, livelihoods fully intact and they're dealing with some inconveniences. Yes. Don't get me wrong. But um, we also have people who appear to be getting punished um, as, as I, I guess efforts to control the virus They're they're obviously pinpointing particular industry to try to basically, uh, you know, just punish them and say that you guys can't run and operate your business. Um, and I think that's why we have such a, you know, again, just a wide variance of how people feel about this. And we obviously are at the very, you know, the, the nexus, if you will, of being really impacted by this in a negative way. And it's certainly for nine months now, it takes its toll. It's constantly on your mind. How could it not be, you know, when you had once a thriving business that, you, you know, you started back in 2013 in Clayton, and then we moved to downtown in 2014. And for the last six years, we've been downtown and it's been amazing. It's been wonderful to be a part of St. Louis. And right before we were ordered to shut down by the government, I mean, it was booming, man. I mean, the Battle Hawks thing was really cool. Uh, I mean, we were obviously on a great path downtown as a whole seemed to be really, really healthy. And when you are, you know, basically, you know, doing really well and, and things look great, and then all of a sudden it's just taken from you. Um, you know, it obviously stings. And the worst part now is that it's continuing to being taken from us. And it appears that maybe it's not necessary to be doing this anymore. And it's also very possible this actually should have been done. It's one thing to maybe take a little bit of a break and say, oh, we don't exactly know. Well, okay. 
but it's nine months into this thing now, and I think it's pretty clear who's impacted, who isn't. It's also clear that no matter the measures taken, the virus has spread. I mean, some of these states have been so restrictive and so strict, they're still experiencing record cases just like everybody else. So I guess I don't understand why we would continue to use measures that are clearly really hurting people on an economic level. I think what we're doing to children as far as the masks go is an absolute disgrace. I think it's so important for kids to be able to see other people's expressions. It's how they learn empathy. Um, you know, I took my, you know, my son, he's 17 months old. And, you know, I, we go to this little play gym the other day and, you know, it, it dawns on me that he, when he's looking up and smiling at his dad and, and, you know, having a great time, he can't even see me smile back because I have this mask. So now my, my son is being shielded from his own father's expressions of joy. And I'm thinking, well, what are we doing? And in addition to that, we have policies at hospitals and different, you know, long-term care facilities. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be some caution taken or precautions taken. Of course there should be, but, you know, we're having a lot that are being left to die alone. And, you know, I think that's, that's not acceptable in our society, in my opinion. Um, I know from instances of, you know, just within my own family and then also just from, you know, friends, et cetera, the choices they have to make as far as like who gets to go in and visit the relative is limited sometimes to one person per day. I know that my own grandmother, she was visited by my mother for uh, the last three weeks of her life through a window and she was 89. She had, a, she had a great life and that's, that's really unfortunate. It doesn't even capture how this, you know, just, un, just it's, it's inhumane, quite frankly, for that to have been the case and for that to have to go down the way it went down. And that's happening to so many people across this entire country, everywhere. And the fact that it's still going on nine months into this, knowing what we know at this point, I don't know. You know, I just, it's getting to a point where I, I know from conversations I'm having with a lot of people who also aren't necessarily as impacted as I am, but they are, they're growing very, very angry, very angry. And I think that our, our media, I think that our politicians are doing this. I don't know if they are just out of touch with the pulse of how we're feeling about this, or if it's with malicious intent. I just don't know. But either way, at this point, it needs to come to an end, and it needs to come to an end immediately. No, I agree. And I think, um, I, I think you're risking a lot to, uh, like, because you have a reputation in the community and stuff. I think, I think it, it's very brave to risk your reputation to actually call this out, I think. And, and, and very little people are. I think a lot of people side with what you're saying, but don't say it so publicly. And, I, I, and, I, and I've been one of those people trying to say it publicly as well. And I, and I respect people that, that actually have something like, I mean, they have something going on to risk this. Like, and I think this is what America is about. It's a pocket full of patriots that always call out what's wrong. And, and then and the blind loyalists will just say whatever. And, and like St. Louis really let me down recently with this. I, I feel like I couldn't believe so many people in St. Louis are so easily tricked. And whenever you, you bring up the, um, the part about the, uh, the, administ the administrators, I guess, or the representatives, I think, that I think they're being paid. I think basically, in my opinion, 
This is this is speculation until proven to to, ver- to to verify. But I think the um I think China's just printing money, and I think they're um handing it to social media companies, and they're handing it to politicians, Democrat politicians. Um, I think and uh, some Republicans, but I, I, not as many. And I, uh, these Republicans tend to tend to <laughs> not be for the bullshit as much. But uh, in my opinion, but uh, but I think that like I think these people are being funded to do this because like they're making money off this. Like like Sam Page, make, he makes no sense anything he's doing. Like like he basically just ruined a local economy off a restaurant and bar industry for no reason for no reason and like i'm surprised is i mean i'm not gonna say what I, i'm not gonna say that actually <laughs> i don't i don't, I don't want to say what should happen to him but but i mean you know uh but i think he's um i think that's treason in my opinion and uh, we can all look up the punishment for treason uh, <laughs> right. but i think but i think that i think this is treason at this point this is if you're not backing the american people in a position of representation what are you doing like what are you doing? You're basically a welfare whore, and like you're allowed to get you're you're allowed to get paid still, and we're paying taxes to these people, and they're, and they're basically we're basically holding these people up with our tax dollars, and you're not allowed to have a business or three businesses in your case. You're not allowed to have three businesses right now. But but I think like that's insane. Like we're like these rules make no sense. They have no. They just don't make any sense to me. And I'm I'm I don't. We need an exit strategy. Like I would like a peaceful exit strategy, but I I just don't understand it. And I, we need to find some way to to, to make people cool with this. Because like I mean, if you want to be scared and paranoid and and batshit insane, do it at your house. Stay home. I'm not telling you you can't be scared. Like you can be scared at your house. Lock yourself in a room like Anne Frank if you want to. I don't care. Just don't tell me I have to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's the issue here. You know, in in my world and my version of events, I think people are allowed to obviously choose to stay at home they, they can choose to wear masks if they would like to they can choose to stay away from large crowds they can choose to stay home and uh, not gather for thanksgiving not gather for holidays not get together with people um, you know they, they can choose to work from home if that's an option for them and they can choose to have whatever they want delivered all their food all their groceries and they can choose to have as minimal amount of contact with other humans as they would like to. They are free to do that in my view of the world. Same. The unfortunate reality is, is that there's another view, which is that they want to, you know, it's, it's all under the, you know, slow the spread, stop the spread, which again, we've, we've seen the measures haven't really accomplished that. But that to me, you know, they, they want to control our ability to earn a living and tell us what we can and can't, or tell me what I can and can't do and that to me is where it's crossing the line and we all live you know weighing out risk every single day living is a risk tomorrow is not guaranteed you can obviously do things that are less risky from one day to the next depending on what your hobbies are what your interests are but you know leaving your house you know by and large is a risk and there are things that happen out there in the world um and and i think that we obviously need to get back to that and, you know, if we don't do that, I'm afraid that we're going to, you know, we're going to have such, uh, you know, irreparable collateral damage that we'll have piled up by the time this wraps up that it, I think we're going to feel it for years to come, realistically, maybe longer. There's obviously been a lot of information shared about, you know, early cancer screenings getting missed, people putting off certain procedures at hospitals that, you know, probably, well, they consider them elective. Well, you know, there are probably things that need to get done, and that's led to deaths. We're obviously having an increase in suicides. You're having an increase in depression and anxiety rates. And it's, it's, it's concerning that the people that are talking about health don't appear to want to take the entire picture into consideration because I'll tell you my own personal experience is that mentally it's a challenge every single day. Um, you know, to, to think that the people that you know, take, you know, take your taxes from you 
are continuing to make policy decisions that are literally almost uh, aimed at destroying my ability to earn a living. I don't know how else to, to, to view it at this point. And I, I do think that is, you know, as you mentioned earlier about, you know, where, where or why they make the decisions they make. I just, you know, if you're working for your constituents in all these different areas where they have these lockdowns or these measures, I would, I would, you know, I'm a little confused as to why you would treat people like that. I, I guess I just don't quite understand with everything we have available at this point, why we're continuing to treat people like this. And it's very concerning because it appears to only maybe potentially get, is going to get worse. And I, um, you know, I, it's not acceptable from where I'm standing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, like I said, our, our customers want to be inside our venue. Whenever we're not, and they're not shutting us down, we have great crowds. We have great business, right? And they want to be there. Our employees, they want to be there. My management staff, they, they want to work. They want to be there. You know, me and my business partners, we want to run and operate our business. And for whatever reason, we, we can't even be open past 11 anymore. You know, we haven't been able to be open until 3 a.m., which we have a, 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 liquor, a license for. We haven't been able to do that since like mid-August. Um, that's a long time now and that's a significant portion of our business. And, you know, our, the Midwestern recently just got shut down. They got a 30 day closure, uh, that comes on the heels of, of wheelhouse and start bar after their two week closure. So we're now going to, you know, when, and when come January 4th, we'll have had six straight weeks of at least one or two of our bars being closed. And, you know, when, when the last time we went through the judicial process, the judge kind of decided, you know, he said something along the lines of, you know, it doesn't meet irreparable harm and damage, you know, that we were going to be closed for two weeks. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, depending on your circumstance and situations, I don't know how we define irreparable, but we've been dealing with closures, reduced occupancy, uh, obviously mask and social distancing things that are very difficult for us to enforce, random closures as well as early closures. The last nine months have been irreparably damaging, to be quite frankly, you know, to be quite frank with you. And so for that to be what we got from the process the second time around, is just extremely discouraging. No, it's insane. And they're not doing their job, basically. Like, like their job is to hold up the American laws. I mean, right to peaceful assembly alone, like, like verifies that you, you're allowed to have people inside your business, like, like in the First Amendment. And, like, it makes no sense. And, like, um, I would like I would go after a case, like, look, at, take your last year profit from uh, March to now. And then or whenever the whenever this and like, I'm like, sue them for the damages. <laughs> I'd, I'd go for damages. I'd go for unconstitutional. I, I, I like just any kind of acts like that. Just keep throwing it at them till you can, man. Because, like, basically, one of these days, you'll get a lawyer and a judge. that's not a cuck, man. Like, like one of these there's got to be somebody that that's not like brainwashed or on the on the bill <laughs> or whatever's happening they're either stupid or they're getting paid to be like this i'm not sure which yeah the, the issue we're having with the legal considering our options is that after going through it two times it definitely seems as if um, the only thing we can potentially accomplish is essentially getting a an appeals process approved um, but even then we'll go through the appeals process and we would lose um, you know, as far as the damages go, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that this entire year, our three bars, you know, we've lost out on probably, you know, about seven, you know, over $7 million in revenue this year so far. 
it's obviously a lot of income for a lot of different people, all our management, you know, they get bonuses and obviously a lot of our employees do really well. And, um, you know, we have a lot of hours of, we used to have a lot of hours of operation and, and obviously employed a lot of back of house employees, as well as a lot of, you know, security guys on the weekends and big event nights, et cetera. And quite frankly, even without the blues, without the Cardinals, without the events downtown, the concerts, we would still be fine. We would still generate a very healthy amount of money because we were, you know, when we first did Wheelhouse, a lot of our peers told us, don't do it. Don't go downtown. Nobody goes downtown. At that point, Ballpark Village had already established themselves. Uh, you know, well, I wouldn't say established. They've been, they've been there since, I think, maybe earlier that spring in 2014. And a lot of people were saying, no, don't do it. People don't go downtown. And we we're just like, no, like, you know what we're doing. We think this is the right move. And, you know, because that wheelhouse, uh, you know, that building was just a great opportunity. It was right up our alley. It was what we've always done. We used to all, you know, we used, a couple of us used to work at Harpo's. I was used to work at McFadden's in Kansas City. You know, they're all big, you know, high volume bars to capitalize on events, concerts, sporting events, et cetera. But we created a destination out of 1000 Spruce and we helped and we continued to reinvest in downtown St. Louis by doing Start Bar and then by doing Midwestern. And we have loved being a part of the city. We've loved being down there. We, up until this whole situation has played out the past nine months, we've been treated well. We always worked really well with everyone in the city, including, uh, you know, the police and our aldermen, et cetera. And so it is obviously very, you know, it's upsetting to feel now as if we're primarily the target. Because uh, not a lot of other venues are shut down. But we've now, you know, after the Midwestern one, we're up to 90 days of additional shutdowns on top of what we were required to do, you know, back in March, April, May, et cetera, and 90 days of business. And we're still standing, you know, we're still swinging. Uh, you know, obviously you can, you can only withstand so much, but we'll do whatever it takes to get through to the other side. But at this point, I think it's time we start standing up for ourselves and maybe the other side needs to come a little bit sooner than later. No, I agree. And I, and I respect you're one of the few people calling this out. Like, I think a lot of people are being, I mean, the entire restaurant and bar industry has collapsed, like in St. Louis City. So, I mean, and you're, you're one of the few people I even see call this out. Um, like, and I, I totally respect that. And I think it's a huge risk for somebody that owns three businesses. But I think that's what, that's what being an American patriot is. It's like, so, like, no matter what we have to lose, we have to, we have to make this right for next generations. Like, 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 like the kids right now, I mean, we can't have them. Like, like, you know what I mean? This, this can't, this can't be China, man. <laughs> we can't, we can't just be walking around with face masks, pretending like LARPing is like, a, a, like, or whatever the hell is going on. It's like, it just doesn't make any sense that like, I mean, we've had way better, way worse plagues than this throughout time. And we haven't had to shut down our economy for it. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, doesn't sound, it's the least American thing I've ever seen in my lifetime on American soil. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm 37 years old. I've been working at bars since I was 20 years old, my business partners alike. And, you know, I think one of the difference between bars and restaurants is um you know bars are where you gather it's where you obviously stand up it's where you move around they're very social environments um you know we do our it's social you, know, you get up you move around i mean you've been to start you've been to bars i'm sure many many of them yeah. they're social you don't just like get seated and sit there the rest of the night and i think the big difference between that and a restaurant is restaurants to walk in and eat at a restaurant and put on a face mask is a very minor inconvenience when you walk to your table and then you sit down and you take it off and you eat. Um, if you're in California, you need to make sure and put that thing on in between bites, obviously. Um, and the fact is that's a minor inconvenience. You go, you sit down with the group that you showed up with there and you eat. 
and, and then you're going to put your mask on when you leave. Even if you see people there at another restaurant that you know, good friends even, and they're already there at another, with another group, they're going to remain with that group. And you don't have this joining. You don't have this moving around and socializing. You go there, you go to your table, you eat. So the mask thing at restaurants is a minor inconvenience. And I'll also say that if it's so dangerous that you have to wear a mask to, to your table, but then you can take it off when you're sitting there, I, I guess I'm just a little confused. Is, is it serious or is it not? I mean, I, I don't understand how that works. Obviously, anytime you're in a space, the air is moving. There's vents. And obviously, we know that, you know, air carries particles, including viruses, et cetera. So I don't know. Honestly, it just feels like we're being targeted. It feels like we're being made the scapegoat. It feels as if they get to take action against us. And it says, hey, look, we're doing something. And again, I'm going to reiterate, all across this nation, they have had measures from little to no measures to mild measures to very extreme measures. And just about everywhere, the virus continues to carry, you know, go the same path and it falls the same curves just about everywhere, no matter the measures taken. So again, at this point, it's like, you know, well, let's get back to living our lives. Let's let individuals exercise freedom. Let's let people evaluate their own risk based on their own circumstances and also, we can, we, can, we can say, hey, listen, there is, there is a virus out there that appears to be a little more lethal right now for the elderly and the sick population. Those are vulnerable. And nine months into that, I think it's fine to say, okay, well, let's make sure that those people know best, best you know, steps to protect themselves. And let's have best practices to protect long-term care facilities. And let's have best practices to protect you know, hospitals, et cetera. But at the same time, we still have to have a very humane society. And I'm afraid that we're creating a very cold, unempathetic society with how we're treating people. And, you know, I certainly am at the bottom of that pile right now. And when you speak about, you know, us, you know, me speaking out, you know, for me, this isn't even really political at the end of the day. To me, this is very basic human <laughs> rights which is that I want to earn a living. And again, my customers want to be there. They want to voluntarily come and spend money with our product. Because the fact is, if our customers weren't comfortable with what we were doing, we would adapt. But the fact is, they pay the bills. They are who we, and, and our employees. If our employees and customers aren't comfortable with what we do as business owners, we adapt. But we should be allowed to operate our business to meet the demands, desires, of our customers and our employees. And it's as simple as that. We have, we have operating licenses and we have liquor licenses. We have an occupancy license. We have all these things and we should be able to utilize them completely. No, I agree. And I think, I think it's, I respect, I respect everything you're saying. And saying, I think this is, you are saying a lot of common sense things, but a lot of people are just cowards and don't, don't call out the, the, the ridiculousness, man. Like I, 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 I can't really put my head through it. Like how it's easier for me to like, to say what's on my mind than to be a coward. Like I, I couldn't understand the, the aspect of like, just, just like what I would call cucking, just completely cucking. Like up to like, like, Oh yeah, master, I'll just do whatever you say all the time. And I don't care if the rules change every three days. And like, uh, and like everybody says, different, I mean, they all listen to this Dr. Fauci guy for no reason. Some guy just came out of fucking nowhere and was on TV. He's like a script reader. And one day he says, wear a mask. Next day he says, don't this day he says this. And like, there's no consistency in the lies. And like, and it's hard for me to find like basically like a, like a government that basically used 9-11 to take over three Middle Eastern countries to put an oil pipeline in and murdered and raped everyone over there. They care about human life now. It, it just makes no, there's not a lot of consistency. I don't, I don't see these people. These people are monsters, in my opinion. And, and like they, they basically, 
don't care about human life. They don't care about us. And they're showing that. They care more about either they're being blackmailed or getting paid or they're just like, they're just dumb. I'm not sure which it is, but it, but it seems like, it seems like maybe all three for some of them, but it's just like, it doesn't make any sense. And this is happening everywhere. Like, 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 like what's happening to you in St. Louis directly is happening nationwide in every major city. Like it, ha- it has me on the, ca- like, I, I remember when this first happened, like um, I went to, I lived in Shaw before this police state happened. Um, and I, I went to the Shaw market. Everyone else is wearing like hazmat suits made out of like, like Ziploc bags and stuff looking like insane. Like, and, I, and I walk over there in like shorts and a t-shirt and they all look at me like I'm the crazy one. <laughs> I'm just like, it's like, it's, it's like me- being mentally ill doesn't make you a good person. <laughs> and virtue signaling for attention doesn't make you a good person. Like you have to, you have to do things. You have to be good. <laughs> you have to be rational. And like people are just scared, stupid. It's not even their fault. And we have to save these idiots also. We have to save these, these people that don't see what's going on. We, we're responsible for fixing this because we see what's going on. Like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I definitely think that there is, there's been a lot of uh, playing both sides of the argument. Certainly you mentioned Fauci. Uh, definitely him along with, I believe, you know, the director, uh, I think it's Robert Redfield, James or Robert. Um, and then also the, the Surgeon General, uh, I can't remember his first name, Adams. They all, you know, as recently as March, April, were saying, you know, obviously the masks are not what is used. This is not what it's designed to do. It might give you the feeling of protection, but it won't. And then all of a sudden, it was like, you know, it just became Max City, you know, almost immediately. And, you know, it's really interesting because that very first weekend we were closed, you know, I could certainly go down to my local Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart, Target. Uh, CVS, Walgreens, Sam's Club, Costco, grocery stores, packed. No mask. No mask anywhere to be found. And, you know, it's just like this was the very beginning when my business was closed. I was told you can't have customers. You must be closed. And obviously, you know, when you see that and you see what's going on and you see the clear double standard that it, it apparently is still okay to go into all these stores and certainly human beings, we, we have germs. And we, you know, all the, the amount of foot traffic, uh, you know, Union Station probably has every single week, you know, Saturdays and Sundays alone. I don't know. Way more than my venues on our block could ever have over a weekend or normal weekend anyway. The Blues win the Stanley Cup. We can get a pretty big crowd. <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously there's such a discrepancy. And it really, you know, obviously the billionaire class, the corporations, they have just raked it in. Um, and, you know, here we are just trying to run and operate our business on, you know, just basically Main Street America. And we're kind of just getting left behind, to be honest with you. And I, I, you know, I guess that's a big point of why I'm trying to bring this up is, you know, we're nine months into this. There's a guy I follow on Twitter. I'm sure you probably do. Alex Burnson. And he obviously shares a lot of this information. He shares a lot of private emails he gets from people and allows the people to remain anonymous. But they are sharing, obviously, a lot of the grief and the, you know, the, the anguish and the uh, despair and the hopelessness and even worse, suicide, the stories of what's going on and happening to people in their lives. And again, I think this collateral damage of being so hyper-focused on just stopping the spread, which hasn't been done despite all these efforts, um, it, it, again, it's concerning that all of this is being ignored. So that's why I think now it's important to speak up because at this point, I mean, the, the, the border, you know, they're pretty, pretty much going down the path of taking my business away from me anyway at this rate. So I might as well speak up and at least try and start defending it. Um, and I'm also defending, in my opinion, you know, my employees, my customers. You know, my customers are doing nothing wrong. They're exercising their free will. 
to come inside our venues and enjoy themselves. They are adults. They are sovereign individuals that can evaluate risk, and they decide all on their own weekend to come down to 1,000 Spruce and 900 Spruce, where the Midwestern is at now, and, and, and come to our venues and have a good time. And I don't see what's wrong with that. They should be able to do that. Yeah, if they choose to. I mean, that's 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 it. I mean, and then I just don't I, I, I just don't see this being beneficial to to an outbreak. And I don't think that that's what's going on. I think I think they're using it as a ruse to destroy local economies and like uh, independent business. And while uh, like Amazon and other companies are making record profits, I think Bezos like has more than doubled its net worth during this time. And, that, and that's that's I mean, <sighs> a lot of worth. That's a lot of net worth to double. Yeah, yeah. It's that's basically profiteering during during a pandemic. I mean, it's pandemic profiteering. And I, I think that basically. I think, ah, man, I think a lot of these people should be held accountable. I think any, any politician that led to insane policies or any company that benefited from this, I think should have to pay the bills of everybody else, honestly. Because, I mean, I, I, without, I mean, closing schools is slavery, basically, in my opinion. Like, you basically like, are not giving a population an education for a year at this point, or a real education. And, like, you're just try, trying to keep everybody stupid and scared and clueless, and it's just like, it's insanely insulting. And like, I, and I feel like I'm even at risk having you on this show from like advertisers on YouTube, any, any kind of sponsor, like I, but, but I feel like that's a risk I'm willing to take as well, because like this has to stop. And like, and like when people hear people like you say this or people like me say, it's like, I think they'll, they'll, they'll feel confident because like they already agree with what we're saying. Like most people already agree. This is dumb, but, but they, they just don't have, they, they have a lot to lose. Like, I mean, we do too, but I, mean, I think they have, everyone's got a lot to lose by being themselves right now. I mean, they, they don't want to be kicked out of their job. They don't want to be fired, but I think like, <laughs> Like, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that have a lot of young kids and like, I mean, you do too, I guess, but I, I'm saying like they, they, just, they just don't want to risk it right now. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, like I, I um, you know, mentioned earlier, it's definitely, there are people that are minor inconvenience, their jobs are still intact, their livelihoods are intact. I mean, as you mentioned with a lot of corporations, they're, they're doing better. I mean, I, I can't remember the number I saw, the amount of people that Amazon has hired during this time, but it's just, boom, you know, and it's just like, you know, which is fine. I have nothing against corporations providing jobs and, you know, they obviously exist for a reason and they sh that's fine. But when I'm now being told I can't run my business and all of these other corporations are clearly just growing and increasing their wealth, um, you know, it, it, <laughs> when you talk about accountability, I just kind of wonder like, well, what's the end game here? You know, what is the end game? Because you just can't keep doing this to people. Um, you know, you mentioned the kids about being, you know, not in school. You know, to me, it's like the fact that they're not being able to be with each other and socialize is, uh, and, you know, it's sad. It is sad. They should be able to be together and be with one another, see each other's faces. and laugh. It's so important as we develop as human beings, you develop your peer groups I certainly can remember when I was a child and all my childhood friends that I still have to this very day. And it's so important to be able to spend that time with one another because as you navigate and you know, navigate your teen years and you know, college and early adulthood and all this stuff, you want to have that established peer group as people that you can turn to. And you know, I have that and it's nice. I have people that I can vent to. You know, my wife has been great. She, you know, probably gets the brunt of the venting, you know, you know, God bless her. But um, you know, and my parents have been great. My brothers, I'm able to talk to about this. And it's nice to be able to vent to people about this. And obviously my business partners um, and just other friends I have who, who feel the very same way. But again, I really do think this comes back to, you know, unfortunately, there's only so many people that are being really impacted 
significantly. And I'm certainly in that group. And I, I just think there are a lot of people that have been able to, you know, the, the professional class, well, they just work from home. No big deal. Right. right. So, you know, I mean, all, all the tenant, all the office tenants downtown, our buildings, cause we're mixed use buildings. They're all gone. Nobody's really there. I mean, I think there's a few employees in uh, one of the ones uh, upstairs, a wheelhouse, but you know, the one at Midwestern is pretty much empty. You know, it's a ghost town now during the day. There's little to no cars down there. Um, it, it's it's sad, um, but that that's that's my reason. That's what I'm seeing, and that's what I'm living. And I think that people need to hear it. And there's obviously going to be the haters out there. I know people that have been able to keep their jobs intact, continue to earn a living, just you know, transition to working from home, who will still take vacations, you know, but they still want to see more lockdowns, and we got to stop the virus. And I'm sitting here just being like, well. That's a really privileged thing to be able to say right now. And the fact is, I can't say that anymore. It's nine months and we've been very patient. You can only put people's lives and their businesses, I mean, an entire year. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but at this rate, an entire year of my life almost now has been put, in pa- has been put on pause in the prime time of my ability to earn and, and secure my financial future for my family. And it's being taken away from me. This is very, very personal. No, I agree. And at this point, I'd rather just have the virus. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, having the virus, like, what? What? I lost my taste for three days. You know I mean, <laughs> it's like just give me the, just give me the virus. Like, <laughs> I had it. I mean, I had it about probably, I can't remember how long ago, but uh, there's not much to it. You know, for for most people, that's the case. You have your asymptomatic or your mild. And there have been people I know that have been hospitalized. And they have come out of it and they're recovering. And it's, it's unfortunate that is the case, but also very fortunate that they've survived. And I also know that there are, gosh, I mean, my mother just told me that the other day she knows a, cu- a couple in their 70s that had it and they're fine. And one of those ladies' mothers who's 97 also had it and she is fine. So, I, I, again, I think that it's really unfortunate that there are people that are getting sick and that are maybe, you know, obviously dying before they would have otherwise. But at the same time, I think it's important that we acknowledge that the the average age of the person dying from this virus, I believe, is is the average age for mortality right in our country. I think it's 78 or 81, something like that. And I think we have to keep these things in context a bit. And again, all these other deaths in our society, they haven't stopped. You know, all the other heart disease, the cancers, the accidents, um, these, these deaths are still happening. And we have other people in society that need to be able to properly go to funerals and grieve and be with one another. I saw a video from a couple months back of funeral home. They're all spaced out. And it looks like maybe the adult sons move over to comfort their mother, you know, elderly, you know, I don't know, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. And they move over to comfort her. And the funeral home director comes in and kind of, you can just tell them, like, move them. They got to move and separate them. And I'm thinking, man, nothing's going to stop me in that dynamic from giving comfort to my mother or my father or a loved one, you know, and it's just like, why are we continuing to do this to people? It's, it's, it just, it doesn't make any sense. And, and quite frankly, too long at this point, because we have data, we have certain States that more or less have continued to maintain their economies and continue to allow people to live their lives for the most part. And they're not doing any better or worse, in some cases better than some states, in some cases maybe a little worse. 
You know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, why can't Florida ever be used as a model for how we should proceed and get back to living? Why are we only taking, you know, worst case scenario with, you know, the spikes and the cases? But again, at the same time, the virus is spreading everywhere. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter. So if the whole notion is to stop the spread, well, we're not doing a very good job of it, despite also wrecking people's lives. So why are we doing this? No, that's a great point. I think like, no, it's weird. Cause like, I mean, like thankfully the virus is made in China. So it's not very effective. Uh, they're not, they're not very good at manufacturing. And then uh, it's it just like, but it, yeah, it just doesn't have much consistency, the narrative at all. Like I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't imagine a world where I'd believe this. Like, I'm like, I'm like just listening to it. I'm like, I'm like, and I think it affects, I mean, this is personal opinion, but uh, like clearly not like, like registered science, but I do think a lot of people that don't believe in God have a lot of darkness in them. A lot of people that are, um, have, have undealt with trauma are more apt to believe in this delusional world because like, um, cause like, I think some people are so fucked up, like the trauma survivors and so like that are so like so mentally fucked up from like big trauma they haven't dealt with that, that, uh, that a pandemic sounds more like sounds better than like their actual life. And I think these are the people I'm seeing affected. Like a lot of, uh, and I'm not insulting people. I'm just saying what I'm seeing, like a lot of like, like sexual abuse survivors, a lot of people dealing with trauma, a lot of people that are just godless like they don't believe in god like are, are more after this and it's and it's really weird seeing that and uh and i've kind of like linked it to those things like those three or four things that that's these are the people more susceptible to the lies well it definitely appears to be that you know coronavirus has become a religion for a lot of people it certainly has been a catalyst for what i would say at this point is i would say altering our society beyond recognition in many ways and there almost appears to be what i would say is a religious like following with the church of rona and you know like i said you know we we get shamed i get for this people will hold me in contempt i will be disdained by people for you know i guess representing you know what i think is you know uh well a my free speech my first amendment rights and then also i i think i have to stand up for myself and my businesses and also my family and who i provide for and standing up that I have, I, I'm, I'm essential. I'm an essential human being. I have a right to earn a living just like everybody. All you people are also staying at home and good for you. I, I, that's fine. I don't have any issues with that. I, I don't care what you want to do. And if you're able to work from home and be safe, great. But the fact is I'm not, my business is literally in the gathering business, socializing. It's what we do. We, we have spaces for people to get together and we try to make them fun and enjoyable for them and where they can basically celebrate experiences. You know, those, those shared human experiences that we used to do just about nine months ago, you know, <laughs> when you think about the value that's added to your life, whether you're getting together with family or friends for holidays or just a weekend out, um, whether you're getting together for par birthday parties, you know, retirement, any celebration, um, whether you're going to go to a concert or you're going to go to a blues game, or you're going to go to a baseball game, a football game, all of these things are so essential to our way of life. And for them to just basically disappear overnight, it, I would say is, is altering our society beyond recognition. I don't think that's a stretch. And to now see the amount of, you know, children, everybody that's in masks and, um, you know, it's funny, you'll be walking in the grocery store and you'll see somebody, you know, smoking their cigarette, you know, then put their mask back. You know, I'm just thinking like, what is going on here, you know? And or, you know, it's really dirty and they've taken that thing they've worn a million times in and out of their pocket. And, I mean, that's another thing, too, with the mask. It's not like the public is properly trained the way medical professionals are on how to handle that equipment. 
Um, and we've all been in hospitals. They're obviously very sanitary places, but they're, they're specifically trained, obviously, to keep that place as sanitary as possible. Not to mention, so are bars and restaurants. We have a cleaning crew every single night. You know, I love my wife and she's amazing, but, you know, we don't have a cleaning crew come through our house once a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. The cleaning crew doesn't come through. I, I have a beautiful home. My wife takes care of it. Great job. Keeps it in great shape. But we have someone come once a month and does more of a deep clean. That's probably standard for most households. Okay. And, and honestly, that's where apparently the data says most of the, you know, the transmission is occurring. But think about it. Every single night, we have a cleaning crew come through and clean every single one of our bars. What else can we do? Right. No. Yeah. And about the masking, it's like wearing it for too long. Like, uh, is 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 uh, the effects of a bacterial pneumonia? Like, you, you you'll get like a bacterial pneumonia infection just from doing that. And then also single-use items like uh, fill up the. Where do we put this after we throw it away? We just bury it under the ground. Like, I mean, it's, it's like so we have like like what like three hundred fifty million. Uh, theoretically speaking, if everybody abided by these bullshit rules, three hundred fifty million people a day wearing a mask and then throwing it away, <laughs> and, and just burying it underground or burning it or whatever people do with their trash. Like, like, like there's no there's no sustainability to that you're basically just creating more waste like, for no reason and like uh, it just doesn't make any well, sense the, to me the, the environmentalists should be irate yeah if they knew uh, what was going on they cared about straws so much in the ocean but now they don't care about masks everywhere well yeah i mean yeah absolutely and you know the fact is you know the mask i mean <laughs> they're very porous obviously in fact the manufacturers on a lot of the sides of the boxes aren't even particularly confident in their own product and we all know from the size of the virus that, you know, well, that and every other virus, they, they can get in there. I understand that if you were to sneeze into a mask, then I guess you would obviously capture more of the droplets than if you just sneeze without one. But also, most people sneeze into their, you know, their shoulder, their sleeve, a handkerchief, their hands, something, and then you go wash your hands. Yeah. You know, so it's not like people have just been, you know, traditionally walking around sneezing right in each other's faces. You know, so I, I guess I just it's 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 really odd because the the masks themselves they're, they're very breathable, and clearly things can get in and out. And I, I I guess I just don't understand how we went from all this data and research prior to Rona, including what the the you know the government you know Corona task force said from the very beginning, which is you know masks may just help you feel better, but won't really do that much, and all of the data before that on the mass studies seem to be unambiguously clear that they're not designed for and would not be recommended in a large-scale use to stop or slow viral transmission. And then all of a sudden, it's this big push for everyone to wear masks. And I mean, how many months are we now into masks for some cities, states, counties, etc.? And the virus is still hitting record cases. I mean, everybody sees this. We can all see this. The data is out there. It's very, it's very readily available. And I, I just think those that are making decisions to control our lives, again, they're either just a little out of touch with how we're all feeling and what we're noticing, or they are maybe perhaps have a little bit of you know, malicious intent. I don't know what it is, but either way, I, I do think we need to wrap this up and very quickly.